0: Hey Jack.
1: How you doing, man? Good, Brett. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, you too, man. You too. How's uh how's life? You
0: no, know, uh anytime someone tells me that life is great, I know that they aren't totally telling me the truth, right? So <laughs> li- li- life is as it always is. Sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. I- I've been on a building project that um, has kept me pretty busy over the past three or four days. And yeah, I think being busy is always the best way to go.
1: Is it your fence or a friend's?
0: Yeah, it's, it's mine. I, uh, I, uh, I find great joy and I, I almost feel like posting up in preparation for a fence. When you start to put the post in, you, you put, you dig a hole, you put a post in, you Level it off, you plumb it, you fill it fill a hole with concrete, you fill it with dirt after that, and then you move on and it reminds me a whole lot of coaching. I can't quite explain why, but it's it feels very similar
1: <laughs> it's tedious right <laughs>
0: it's, yeah it's it's somewhat routine, but you have to state a task and you know you're 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 constantly finding your way your way of, you find ways to make it a little bit better or easy—not easier, but I guess more creative.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like you're a creative person?
0: I feel like I have my moments. I I think everyone is creative. I think everyone possesses creativity, and we we either I not we. In my case, I. I get sometimes too routine in what I'm doing, and routine feels like the the path the path that has less resistance, and uh, that's not good. And, and I I try to snap myself out of that, but I get into routines way too often.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you taking this call. I've I've been. Sitting on the fence, per se, as to say, uh, <laughs> to 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 call people that I really respect and and have conversations with them. I think it's really interesting to sit in on uh, you know high level conversations or, or people who have high levels of experience and and have done some amazing things in their life. And people want to know, you know. They just want to hear you speak. They they want to they want to get to know you. They want to get inside your head a little bit, maybe pick your brain, and and I, and I want to do that. And, I, and I've been wanting to do this for a while. And and like I said to you before this conversation started, you know, uh, when when Kobe Bryant passed, it had a real impact on me, um, and like many people around the world, obviously, and um, it, it made me. It brought a lot of things to the forefront of of what you know, things that I want to do that I've just been sitting on, and I, and this was one of them. And so I, I said, I just got to get this done because you never know how long you have, right?
0: You know, it's it's so interesting and so true, Brad. I, I, with what happened and how it impacted so many people, including myself, with with kobe dying it 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 reminds me that the only way you can live sharply or as sharp of a tone as i've been living over the past couple of days after his loss you have to pass through pain and or experience pain and otherwise you start to take life for granted and What happens when someone like Kim dies is that you immediately start to think about your brothers and your sisters, your parents, your wife, and then you go to all that you've been through together, the pain that you've been through. And I, I I don't think you can live as crystal life that we're living right now without passing through pain because things become routine and ordinary.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I I just don't know. I don't know how to put this one. I don't, you know, where do you put this one? Where do you put it? Like, why? <laughs> why? You know, this one is just so hard to figure out. And I don't know the why. I don't know if we'll ever discover the why. It's just... It's life can be very cruel sometimes and, and um, I can't understand why the universe would take somebody as brilliant as Kobe away from us just in a blink of an eye like that, you know. And then obviously the other people that were in the helicopter, it's I mean, brilliant people. Um, it's just very hard to understand, right?
0: Yes, I... Completely agree with you. I mean, it just the news kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was it was startling enough, and it was painfully impactful enough. And then you learned of the loss of his daughter. And then I think originally when I heard the information, there were five people on the helicopter, and then it went to nine, and mm-hmm. then there were more children involved. And mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you
0: know, it just. I, I firmly believe that when you experience something like this, the only lesson that you can learn is to reach out and tell all the people in your life that impact your life how much they mean to you. That's the only lesson to be learned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True, which is why I'm having this conversation with you. You know, you're a a beautiful human. Um inside and out, just uh, somebody that a lot of people connect with, um, you know, people that come across you, uh, they have this um, admiration and affinity for you, uh, you know, unlike many other people. And what, what do you think that is? Like, what do you think it is about you that helps you connect with, um, you know, certain individuals uh, at that level? I,
0: I, well, thank you for that. And I, yes, I, I, I'm not sure that I, I, I feel a little bit of that, Brett. I I do know that I, as I walk through life, and as I get a little bit older, and I'm in my seventies now. I, I I certainly understand the importance or the the beauty in connecting, and when when I allow myself to let a situation, no matter what situation I'm in, when I let it unwind and don't try to impact how it's going to unwind, but embrace what's happening as it unwinds, re- regardless of what the circumstances are. You know, whether you're, and we live in a very high energetic, like, crazy, confusing, up and down profession. And for years, I I wanted to be able to be more controlling of the results. And Mm. as I got older, I, I, I believe that I started to realize, no, that's not what it's about at all. It's about really Stepping and dancing in the moment of whatever's going on, and trying to try to have a try to, try to have an appreciation for it, regardless of whether it's up or down, and embrace what's going on and observe, and then and then reach in and learn from it by sharing with whoever you're involved with as it's going on, and I, mm-hmm. it, it's almost it's almost always as. difficult as it is uh celebration it's it kind of balances out i I think the more you do it you're likely going to be able to celebrate more than you're going to get challenged and slapped by it but certainly early on in my career i can't speak for every coach i was uh doing a lot of things wrong and ...impacting a lot of people in a negative way that had strong beliefs and respect for me. And Mm. the the only way, the only way I could uh, maintain a relationship with them where I felt honest was to discuss where I felt like I could do things better when I wasn't doing them right. And everyone respects honesty... And mm. vulnerability. That's
1: yeah. You
0: know, yeah. I mean, we we hear that phrase all the time. The only way to to courage is through vulnerability, and you hear it, but if you live it, you know it's true.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got such. Uh, I mean, like you said, you're in in your seventies now, so it's you know you've you've lived a full life and seen you know seen some incredible things and had incredible experiences um what what do you think you know you'd say to yourself you know 30 or 40 years ago that that you you know that you've learned over time if you you know talk to your younger self what do you think you'd say well
0: certainly the word patience pops into my mind pretty quickly and not not that i'm not a patient person but watching as I entered coaching, it's such a late, late part of in such a late part of my life. I I really wasn't a full time coach until I was thirty seven or thirty eight years old, and mm. you know, and I I got such a a strong taste for high level swimming by going to work at Mission Bay, where the whole Mission Viejo staff moved from California to Florida, and I was hired as head age group coach and the assistant senior coach, and I'm, I'm watching and coaching Olympians almost immediately. And and I, I'm thinking, gosh, I, I really enjoy this, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I want to catch up. Hmm as quick as I can because I want to contribute but I I also I I wanted to do something special you know I I don't think anyone's much different than that and I I just got such a strong taste of it my first six years of coaching full-time I was part of six people making an olympic team from our team and those people going on to medal and winning six national championships and you know, it's, uh, it was a very, very quick lesson and eye opener and what I wanted to be a part of and, and yet not feeling like I was capable But it. It put that taste in my mouth that I wanted to do something and I wanted to do it quick, but we know it doesn't happen quickly.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, you are, you are putting around. You know, really high level people too. You were you were lucky in that sense, right? I mean, we we say it as luck. You know, you and I would both say we're lucky to have the people around us as well, right? But um, you had good people around you, right?
0: It, it was luck. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I I don't. I mean, I I, I guess that I was a. I, some people, I think, create their career. Yeah. I I co-created my career. Yeah and I, I could not take credit for having the opportunities that I had, you know, I went from mission Bay to the university of Texas. And, you know, there was that stint where I didn't coach for a little while. And then I coached in Mexico. And from there to, to USA swimming and being a part of the national team division and a part of the national junior team that really, uh, it, it put me in a very unique situation. I, I could be involved in these high-level competitions where I really didn't have an emotional tie to what happened, and that's where I started to have this unique uh, observation on the sport, and and it allowed me, I think, to grow in a way that a personal coach can't grow the way that I grow. or grew. They they just have too much at stake. Mm. Where where I really didn't have anything at stake, so I could I could allow for a lot of space in my thought process between what I was watching and how people were acting. Mm.
1: Mm. And yes. there's
0: there's so much wisdom to be gained in keeping space between observation to thought to action.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think you're you're such a unique uh figure within our um sport because you've had this opportunity to observe some of the greatest athletes in history. Um you know, I don't think it's any secret that you've had very close relationships with some of the top athletes including Michael Phelps and and others uh, along the way over the past 10-15 years. You know, and, and I think in this Olympic year, something that really interests me, a topic that interests me, is what separates those people? You know, in an Olympic year, they find separation. Um, and you've had the chance to observe, and I'm not asking you to speak specifically necessarily about anybody, but is there commonalities between them all in, in terms of what they do or what they think when it comes to high-level performance?
0: Yeah, and, you know, I know that you've heard me talk about this so often, that I, I I can't escape the fact that well, I, I think we would start with uh, does someone hate to lose or love to win? Mm. And, you know, 98% of the athletes that reach the world stage and certainly move into that, Top one to three percent of that top ten percent—they mm-hmm. uh, hate to lose, and they're from what I read and in dealing or and when I say dealing, I didn't deal with them. I, I spent time with them. Mm-hmm. In spending time with them, it became real apparent to me that there's no mapping in the brain for loss it comes across as it, it seems to come across as it, it doesn't come across as losing. It it comes across as how can I best explain this? Well, let, let's go on a little bit farther. Let, let's talk about the, the, the mental, the mental framework of that person. And, mm. uh, I do believe that they that they have a very very focused mind on what they're trying to accomplish. They'll do whatever it takes not mm. to grieve, not to grieve, and, and that was the word that I was trying to find. But when you lose, it doesn't come across as loss; it comes across as grief. Mm. And and mm. they will do whatever it takes not to grieve. And but you know they they have set their life up. In a way where they are they are just unwilling which turns into being unable to lose they just can't do it because it will be so painful they'll do whatever it takes not to lose wow
1: and what do you mean exactly by whatever it takes in swimming terms
0: yeah i I think it i think you have to back up and watch them through through a quad cycle, or even beyond that, when you look at these guys that are, that just, they're, they're always on top of their game. And I think it starts at some point in their career in practice where they know that they'll, they know that they have to prepare themselves to win no matter what their body feels like. They they will not train to lose, and so they will train to win, even when they're in the worst of physical challenges. It's it's interesting, but I mean, I don't let let's take Michael for instance. I don't ever think I saw him take a bad stroke, in any any time I watched him race. He never went out too fast. He never went out too slow. If he took a bad stroke, and I'm sure he did, it was corrected by the next stroke.
1: Mm.
0: A- Aaron the same way. Aaron Pearsall would get out of the water and you could talk to him about his two hundred backstroke and he could he could walk you through every single stroke in that race. I I slipped with my right arm on mm. the fourth stroke cycle of the third fifty. And Michael, very similar. I mean, those guys were, they were, they were so in the moment of what they were doing. They were so aware of what was going on that they could correct before the mistake went more than one stroke away. Mm -hmm. And I, I can only imagine the confidence you have when you're capable of doing something like that. It's a, it's, it's direct perception at its very best. We, you know, we don't live in. The, uh, we, we don't live in, in, in a place where we can drop into this mindful place the way that some people can in some different societies can. And I think we're getting better at it, but we aren't there yet. And that that's definitely flow state, right? We, you being a world-class athlete, you've had those races where you didn't remember what happened. Everything just fell into place the right way. You didn't feel pain. You didn't feel... Uh, You didn't feel like everything wasn't going to work out. It just happened. And you get out and you go, well, that was the best race of my life. How did I do that? And it's it's just being in that moment where there's enough space between making a decision and an action with that decision. It flows from one to the other to the other. And all those people can do that, every one of them.
1: So, what do you notice? What do you observe before the race that allows them to get into that state? Where are they mentally? Where? What, what's going on in the in the you know the the hours, the minutes before they step up on the blocks that allows them to get into that state? Yeah,
0: I, you know, I, I in talking to them,
1: uh, they all have
0: a, a I guess a process that you could call it a primer, almost. You know, if if you have a pump and it's not working, you pour water in it and then it starts to work and they they definitely prime their race. And for most all of them, it's a routine. I I imagine you had a routine as well Mm -hmm. and, and being able to walk into a hostile environment where it's electric, that every every one of them are just bluntly honest with themselves because if you aren't honest with yourself, when you go into a hostile environment, it will collapse so quickly that you you just can't bullshit yourself in a situation like that. Mm. So I, I think it starts with with understanding what it takes to do what you have to do to be what you want to be. And every one of them, they're, they're bright, but they're very honest with themselves. And you see so many athletes struggling because they just, they talk. They talk as if they want to accomplish something that they haven't committed to doing yet. And, and, you know, some of that's maturity and that comes at different ages. Some of it is just, did they really want to do it that badly or not? I'm I'm not sure that
1: they did. Mm, I like that. So... Yeah, so you're right. So it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen before, right? Before you get on the blocks. I mean, it's already happened months before that because you've committed to being in a situation where you're absolutely prepared, right? Yeah, and
0: I, and I, I even think to, to get to the stage that people like yourself got to, it's years in the making. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every now and then there's someone who pops in and does something pretty special very quickly. But I think if you go back and you really uh, research what happened and where they started, I mean, you you look at someone like Alex Hummel and you you see, see him doing something like he's capable of doing and you're just fascinated by it. But how long ago did he take a foot off a foot off the ground and put his hand on a rock, and and climbed three feet up until he perfected that and then next and next and next and certainly any swimmer understands that process at what age did they start and at what point did they start to make this commitment just a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and you know, you had you had asked me a quote for a quote the other day and I I I do not believe that someone can give someone else confidence I think on, only a person can give themselves confidence and it only comes from doing things very special
1: mm. I I agree you know I'm also fascinated with performance under pressure though you know and I think that some of these athletes that you are associated with have had extraordinary success under enormous pressure. You know, um, Aaron Pearsall and, and people that have gone on to win multiple Olympic medals and and break world records and and have consistent performance over time. You know, I, I can understand how somebody could come out and have a singular performance. I, I get that, but how then do you have? An athlete, like how do you explain Michael Phelps you know with the pressure that you're under constantly and people expecting you to win, and then, like you said, the freedom to go out there and 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 swim beautifully, you know, not take a bad stroke, not take a hard stroke, do exactly what he's trained to do under enormous pressure, How do you explain that?
0: Yeah, and you know, Brett, I I think it's pretty simple, but maybe I'm wrong. I I don't think they go out there to win. I think they prepare to always be ready to deliver.
1: Mm.
0: It's it's kind of that simple. I, I mean, what you have inside of you to be able to have this high command across any condition that takes a that takes takes a huge amount of self discovery. And every one of those people have a personal philosophy. I'm not sure they could tell you, but I hear it time and time again when they start to talk about something. They don't have an opinion when you talk to them about what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's a conviction, and it's such a strong conviction that they they didn't just think of that when you start to talk about what their philosophy is. They've been working on that for years. And for for some of them, it, it was that they weren't taught to work on that. They just you just you just do not get to that that place of high command or mastery, call it what you might. If if you don't have a real strong conviction.
1: Yeah, you know, someone that we always go to, obviously, is Michael. Um, but you know, you worked across the board with all the athletes, so male and female. Who's a female athlete that really um, sticks out in your mind? Maybe one or two, but um, of somebody that was kind of equally as mentally tough as Michael, can you think of somebody in the past 10 years that maybe jumps out at you?
0: Yeah, I would have to say Natalie right?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: From the U.S. side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she could she could deliver whenever it was time to deliver it. And you know, she was so it it took a long time for people to catch up to her. Basically, she had to age a little bit. But I mean, she, I would go to World Cup meets with her and it would be sometimes just myself as a coach with five or six swimmers. The minute we walked into the pool, she got in the water. And she did not get out of the water until that session was long over for her. Never got out. Never got out of the warm-up, warm-down pool. I mean, she was always working on these real small, minute things, underwater dolphin kicking, asking questions, you know, challenging you to challenge her. I, I, I probably didn't see anyone as focused as long as they were focused towards the end of their career when they would walk into a swimming pool until they left and i imagine it went on after they left you know i I sometimes eat with her and things but you know who knows what's going on once she went to her room but i imagine that you know she was the uh, epitome of a professional
1: Mm. i mean that kind of preparation alleviates a lot of fear and doubt but did you still notice fear and doubt in them at times? I,
0: I think that every one of them every one of them feel the same thing everybody else feels. Anxiety, fear, you know, the fear of other people's opinion or what what could go wrong, but they it it just they had such a strong conviction of who they were, they the philosophy of who they were as a person they could spit it out in a blind alley and a knife. When in a knife fight, you know they that and, that electric environment was not going to stop them for, from performing. They were just too prepared.
1: Wow, that's awesome! Beautiful stuff. I mean, this is this is stuff that everybody wants to know—the inside stuff. You know, um, you know, we, we see it from the outside, but you're you're wondering to yourself, does. Is Natalie Colland, Is Michael Phelps? Do they do they feel fear? Do they feel doubt? You know, it's like they they look superhuman from the outside. So to have somebody that was on the inside with them say that they feel the same things is pretty incredible. You know,
0: absolutely. They're 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 just like everyone else in terms of you know what they're worried about before they're they're asked to deliver. But you know, they again they're they're if their framework starts to collapse, they're so sure of who they are as a person, mm. they can just put it back together so quickly mm. that you never see that part of them.
1: Mm. It's kind you of know, like the, the, well, it, sorry, what were you going to say?
0: It's it's I, I just can't say this enough. If something you're telling yourself, going into a high-pressure challenge is not true, it will be exposed and it will negatively impact your performance it is never about the doing it's always about the being Mm -hmm. when we prepare to adjust that's where we get found and that's what those folks
1: can do wow yeah that's that's a really powerful message and you know i think uh I could talk to you for hours, you know, that Jack, you know, so
0: Well, we, we certainly enjoy each other's company and you, you stimulate me and challenge me in ways that allow me to walk away and, and put my thoughts into a, a more, you know, I, I think we all think alike and, mm. and we can be talking about the same subject matter in our conversation, you might express it one way and I'll express it another and I'll listen to you and I'll go, yes, that's it. That's the way I need to start expressing it. And then we kind of refine it off of that. And I think that's what I'm always trying to do. I I, I jot down notes everywhere I go. I, I've kept a journal most of my life. And, and it's all about finding clarity in, in, in what you're trying to... Uh, Grab a hold of and and share and help other people grow through.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know one of the things that I think most people admire you for, uh, you know that that I recognize is, you know you're just a great listener. I mean, as much as people want to talk to you, <laughs> you listen so well, and I think people really appreciate that that they want to come and speak with you because they know that they're going to be heard you know, genuinely heard and and responded to in a thoughtful manner. So I love talking to you any chance I get. Um, I certainly want to do this more. So we're going to come back to this at another point. Um, but I'm glad we could speak now for a short moment. And uh, like I said, we'll come back and do some more of this, okay?
0: Well, thank you, Brett. You know, I, I am a better person for having known you and I'm a better person for having had this conversation and these are these are the kinds of things that everyone needs to do more of and thank
1: you. I agree. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care, my friend. You
0: bet. Good to hear your voice and you be well. Bye.
1: Bye.